2: All right, thank you very much, Sarah. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Frank Holland in for the Judge Scott Wapner. We are continuing to monitor the TikTok CEO on Capitol Hill. we we'll are bring you any news that comes out of that hearing. We do have Julia Borston standing by. But in the meantime, we got a strong rally in our hands right now. Looking at the numbers, we got the Dow up a percent and a quarter. The S&P up just about a percent and a half. The Nasdaq, the best performer right now, up 2%. We're also watching the yield on the 10-year, uh, 3.46, about 15 basis points lower than its high from yesterday. We're going to continue to watch that today. Our investment committee is standing by to break down these big moves. Joining us for the hour, Josh Brown, Bryn Talkington, Stephanie Link, and Jason Snipe. And I think we just have to talk about right now, the NASDAQ leading this rally right now. Stephanie, what do you make of this after that big sell-off yesterday? Either it was the Jay Powell comments, a lot more people think it was the Janet Yellen comments, but today we're seeing this big rally.
3: Lower rates, that helps uh, short-duration assets. Technology, comm services is 36% of the S&P 500. They have had a rally this year, but they can go a lot higher, and I think that's what's leading us today. But I think the reason that we're rallying is because it appears that we're in the ninth inning of this rate cycle, right? And I think uh, the fact that he—that Powell walked back kind of the comments that he made a month before about, you know, they have to do more rate hikes. <clears throat> now they may do more rate hikes. So that's the whole, that's the whole theme, I think, of what's happening today. But overall, I thought yesterday, you know, 25 base points was kind of in line, um, but all good for uh, some some of these uh, big sectors.
2: You know, I think that ninth inning metaphor is interesting, Jason Snipe, because remember, baseball goes into extra innings all the time. <laughs> and so. it can always happen. So what do you make of this rally we're seeing? We're seeing names that, you know,
1: predictable names, Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, Alphabet, leading this rally today? I think Stephanie makes an excellent point on yields, uh, pulling back, and obviously we're, we're in the knife inning. We're, we're obviously closer to the end than we are the beginning. The Fed has raised 475 basis points in a year. That's a lot. And, and obviously Powell uh, spoke to that yesterday in terms of where, where he, what the guidance is going forward. And I think he also spoke to early on in the presser, you know, the, the banking crisis and, and what that means. There potentially might be other landmines out there, um, but the Fed will be data dependent, but we are closer to the end than we are the beginning. Yields have pulled back and you see the NASDAQ moving.
2: So Josh, what do you make of all this? I mean, a lot of people have been going to tech for safety in recent weeks with all this volatility, especially after SVB. Um, are you a believer in this rally that we're seeing today?
0: I think it's important that we um, just, just be very careful about the definition. When we say people have been hiding out in tech or going to tech or looking to leadership from tech, it's not just tech. It's consumer discretionary uh, names that we used to consider tech, but now they're in a totally different, uh, they're in a totally different basket. Uh, it's, also, it's also communications. So that would be like, for example, Netflix, Meta. These are not in the tech ETF. They're not in the S&P 500 tech sector. Um, so let's be very clear about what we're actually talking about. We're talking about, essentially, the 25 or 30 largest non-oil, non-financial companies that have the biggest and best balance sheets, the most cash flow, um, and the, the best ability to self-finance if and when, some would say inevitably, credit availability contracts. That's, the, these are the stocks that people are buying. The bank of Apple never closes. Nobody has to worry about Microsoft's access to capital or to cash. Nothing tells us that Oracle needs to roll their debt. Like, this is what's really going on right now. It's not tech only. Amazon is in the consumer discretionary sector, okay? So that's, I think that's the big picture. Now, does it make sense? Well, current odds for the May FOMC meeting, 60% chance of no hike, 40% chance of another 25 basis points. Uh, One month ago, there was a 72% chance of 25 basis points, and there was even a 30% chance of 50. So the market is getting comfortable with this idea that we're wrapping up here, and the Fed is pretty close to where its limit is. Now look at treasuries. Um, There are no treasuries currently yielding more than 5%. You could not have said that even a week ago. The highest rate now is the six-month, which is 4.8%. The two-year is back below 4%. That's the lowest in September of 2022. So can growth stocks with great balance sheets and tons of cash flow continue to lead the market in that environment? I think they can. And so I wouldn't expect this type of thing to mean revert anytime soon, which means if you're underweight this area, you've been ignoring these stocks because they didn't work last year now might be a good time to pivot
2: all right something to think about there uh brent i want to come over to you are you also a believer in this ninth inning philosophy that we're pretty much at the end of this entire cycle and that's giving investors a lot more confidence it
4: definitely seems like we're at the end of the cycle i think the two-year getting close to five percent we're probably going to look back and say that was the peak the peak in in the two-year which ultimately sets what the fed does I am skeptical though as the S&P gets closer to that 4100 which is where we got I think 4114 or 4120 at the end of January as we get closer to that and this has definitely been read, led by the sectors that Josh went through I would actually be fading putting new positions because what I am seeing especially in technology like crypto a couple of years ago if you mentioned crypto in your in your earnings call you got like a two turns of multiples higher. Now everyone's talking about AI at all times. And so I do think in the short term, it's getting a little frothy. So for me, I mean, I'm really happy for our clients, for myself that we have this nice rally, but I would be looking to sell calls on some of my tech names, especially as um, the S&P gets closer to that 4,100, because I do think that this deposit issue with the, with the banks is not solved. And there's 4,200 banks around the country. The top 10 have 50% of the assets. The remaining 4,190 have the other 50%. Until these banks understand what the denominator is, which is their deposits, it's gonna be pencils down on making new loans. And I do think that will slow the economy. And so I don't think that's fully priced in to multiples for the S&P at this level and what that does to growth.
2: All right, it's certainly something to think about. I wanna come back to this idea that the Fed is changing its strategy a bit. I mean, it's coming from Jay Powell largely. He says, before the recent events, we were clearly on track to continue ongoing rate hikes. The events of the last two weeks will likely result in some tightening in credit conditions. So obviously the Fed members, they're thinking about the banking crisis. They think they might already do the job that rate hikes um, could potentially do as well. Again, we still have really high inflation. That's the number one mission. It's a lot of confusing signs that people are just deciding yeah. are leading to a clear message. So in this environment, outside of tech, uh, what else are you looking at? I,
3: mean, I don't, I don't think we're in the all clear. I think we are in this trading range for all the things that you just said, because we just don't know. We don't know what the implications are for all of these hikes that we have seen over the last nine months, right? And it's going to have an effect. We know the economy is going to slow. How much does it slow? And we know, also know the bank system, there's some question marks. I happen to think that three banks that failed were really in poor position before all of this anyway, but that's not to say that deposits won't leave some of the smaller regional banks, but it will be to the benefit of the large banks. And I think I would be much more concerned if the large banks were having withdrawals and having some issues they're not going to and they are actually only going to get bigger and gain more market share and so that's where i have been focused on i added bank of america last week i added schwab um, but i also added to a couple of other companies names um, that i have been involved in in, in uh, over the last year some of the semiconductor companies because right. i think in tech that that's an area that actually the valuation still makes sense I also uh, added to Disney as well that stock is down almost giving all of the games up from year to date so I think there are some bargains out there but I want to stay like diversified big blue chip companies free cash flow shareholder value creation that kind of stuff it's all boring stuff but I think in this environment where we don't have a lot of certainty in the future, I think you do want to have a diversified portfolio.
2: So you're echoing some of Josh's sentiments, giving credit to Josh, that it's all about companies that won't be so impacted by some of this rate situation, don't need financing, Jason Snipe. They can kind of do it on their own regardless of the volatility that we're seeing everywhere else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. You know, my Stock Summit pick earlier this year was energy. You know, I like energy, and obviously it's underperformed. You know, but when I think about the factors that make sense to me is free cash flow, which Steph just mentioned, which I think is a big player as you're evaluating positions and where you should be. I think the supply-demand mismatch we have talked about uh, for about two years is likely not as strong as it's been. Um, we're waiting for China to come back online. A lot of the earnings growth has come from the energy sector. So for me, I, I still like a lot of the energy names. And in the, on this pullback, I think they're, they're worth adding to in some respects.
2: I want to bring another voice into this conversation. Let's bring in CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leisman. Steve, great to have you here after Fed Decision Day. Just give us a sense of what you think about what we heard from Jay Powell um, after the decision and then what we heard from Janet Yellen that seemed to kind of muddy the waters for the market.
5: Yeah. So I'll take them separately. Um, I think that uh, Powell threaded the needle reasonably well. I mean, he's got a difficult tension right now between the inflation problem he has and the uh, um, rising uh, uh, credit issues in in the uh, economy that may have been uh, uh, put to rest, at least for a little bit. But I think they're still going to be there. And he has this issue of credit tightening that's going to be coming down the pike. And some people thought it would have been enough to stay his hand. But he took the quarter that was given to him. And now um, uh, pretty much what Josh was saying, I'm looking at the same thing. I see more of a 50-50 split now between doing that quarter. Uh, but, But what's more interesting, guys, is looking at the debate right now over what happens in June. I want to show you that June contract right now, which is... 25, 50, 25% uh, probabilities, 25 for a cut, 50 for staying uh, standing pat, and 25 for a hike. So there's quite a there's the uh, the May probabilities. And guys, I don't know if you have the next three-bar chart that we put together, which was the, uh, what's happening in June, which is really fascinating. And it shows that there's a, there's a market out there. You know, you pick, pick your point, and uh, you can go with the consensus, or you can go with the right tail or the left tail on whether the Fed market. does another quarter. That's where we're at. I'm also interested uh, in the gap, right? Frank, just one more thing, which is that there's this one percentage point gap between where the market thinks the Fed's going to be year-end and where the Fed thinks it's going to be.
2: Oh, sorry, Steve, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you. I just want to kind of speak to while we're looking at your charts and letting load about just these differences of opinion. We're looking at J.P. Morgan today saying, continue to look for one more 25 basis point hike in May, then an extended pause before easing next year in Q2. Uh, Barclays, their call calling change. FOMC to hike another 25 in May to bring the target to five, five and a quarter, then they expect a pause. Goldman's hot seats, um, peak funds rate unchanged at five and a quarter, five and a half, then another 25 points in May. Um, What do you make of all these differing opinions, thoughts of a pause? I mean, there's just so much out there.
5: So I'll tell you what I was doing this morning, uh, Frank. I wasn't reading those guys. What I was doing was talking to some former Fed officials about how, in the great financial crisis, they gauged credit tightening. Um, and so this is now the new metric, right? This is now the new CPI when it comes to figuring out. And I've got a chart there, which uh, maybe talks to what Josh Brown was talking about, was what's happening to tight credit uh, credit standards at the banks. And you can see, uh, this is a quarterly report, which is what we have now, that even before we got into the particular mess we're in right now, banks were already tightening credit and that's going to be the key right now it's not as bad as it was either uh in the pandemic or if you went back further with this chart back to uh the great financial crisis but those standards are higher um, and are tighter and so that's going to mean a reduction of credit and now what we got to think about and i bet stephanie's thinking about this already because she's the kind of person that would think about this stuff is uh, how do you translate that into GDP, into consumer spending, into businesses. What I did look at, Frank, was uh, look at the senior loan officer survey where that data comes from, is that it was big banks and small banks, it was commercial, industrial, it was land. The only thing they're not tending credit for right now, uh, and again, this is data that predates the recent uh, banking uh, turmoil, the only thing they're not tending credit for is mortgages. Everything else is tighter, and that's going to have an impact on the economy down the road. And so, when you get happy. I just want to note a caution, Frank. When you get happy about the, the fact that the Fed is doing less, make sure you understand what you're getting happy about, which is the idea that there's going to be tighter credit and a downdraft from that in the economy. All right, Steve, uh, you know, you and Josh Brown seeing eye-to-eye to eye today. Josh actually has a question for you.
0: Hey, Steve, uh, I want to talk about the housing market really quickly. This seems like a piece of the puzzle that we have the wrong puzzle for. It doesn't seem to fit anywhere. And it's really important if we're trying to figure out what the state of the economy looks like. The home builders uh, are on fire. 83% of home builder stocks in the XHB ETF uh, are positive year to date. And they are up about 16% on average. If you contrast that with every other type of stock in the S&P, those we only have about 45% of them are positive. And the median return is about 2%. So it's very odd to see leadership in this group, considering all the headwinds that we're talking about, from lending to higher rates to the Fed uh, shrinking its balance sheet, etc. What are we to make of what that market seems to be signaling about the remainder of 2023? Um, Should we take it as a, a, a bullish omen uh because of how important it is to the economy or is the is the stock market getting things completely wrong here and housing still has a ways to go lower it's a great question uh uh, josh and
5: you could not have had uh in the environment of uh of rising interest rates and rising mortgage rates you could not have had the home builders on your bingo card for stock market leadership i don't think you could have maybe somebody did out there but here's the thing you have this i think the best the, not me either i think the best explanation josh is the sort of inexorability of the housing demand that's out there and it's just Uh, It has always been a question in my mind how the Fed was going to reduce housing demand in an environment where you're short of houses and you have this tremendous household demand. You've got this couch phenomenon of of, uh, millennials and their like living on couches at home and and, and wanting to get married and have a family and get out there and, and, and have a house. So I just I don't know at some point it's hard to say that higher rates will not catch up with the housing market. But if demographics is destiny, I mean, I think you might be seeing that in the stock performance right now.
3: So, Steve, we had a negative Chicago Fed National Activity Index today. Four out of the last five have been down. Um, Manufacturing is rolling over. We know that that to be the case and all the ISMs and PMIs and all that stuff. Uh, But there's no signs whatsoever of the job market getting having problems. So how do you reconcile that? Like, when do you think we are going to start seeing initial claims above 200,000?
5: Um, I think I should have seen it like three months ago, but we haven't seen it. I know, that's why I ask. (laughs) So there's that one little sort of, um, uh, what do you want to call it, like uh, uh, a technical problem that some of the folks who get severance pay do not appear in it. So we're not seeing necessarily some of the tech layoffs show up there. Um, Look, we have a long way to go, Stephanie, until that starts to show up there because I am still personally seeing the uh, the hiring signs in front of the stores, I still see restaurants that have uh, attenuated hours because they don't have the people out there. Um, I I, I still think we have, again, it's almost a demographic problem as well, which is that we just don't have the people to fill the jobs. I believe that the administration is catching up or has caught up on the immigration front, which we talked a lot about. But I still think you're going to have a strong jobs market, maybe a little bit of loosening eventually. But it's really the tightening story, uh, Stephanie, to, to, to end up where I began. Um, If you you follow it through, what does the credit tightening mean? It means that there's a small business out there that wants to expand or wants to get a loan to start up that won't get that loan, and that's hiring that won't happen in the future. So that may be the thing that ultimately uh, softens up the job market. But under current conditions, it does seem as if the job market has been somewhat or almost entirely immune to this credit tightening by the Federal Reserve so far.
2: All right, senior economics reporter Steve Leisman. Always great to have your insight, Steve. Thank you very much. All right, so we are still watching this rally on Wall Street, Jason. we kind of talked about, you know, tech. Obviously, it's the quality tech names that are well funded right now. Are there other areas you're looking at now that a lot of people believe, hey, the Fed's hands are a bit handcuffed; they can't really hike rates anymore? Are there areas you're looking at to potentially see some upside and opportunity in?
1: So I think Steph mentioned a, a, a made a really good point earlier. In, there's aspects of the financials that I think are opportunities. One, I think the the insurance companies. Uh, the, there's some opportunities there. I think some of the bigger banks, the Morgan Stanleys, uh, the the J.P. Morgans, are the world, and also Goldman Sachs, I think, is an opportunity. I don't think that uh, underwriting is is coming back online anytime soon, but I do think they will benefit from a little bit of a sentiment shift as it relates to some of these regionals. So so I like financials, specific financials, um, and I also like the semis. I think the semis are, 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 as Steph mentioned earlier, and I agree with this, I think they're well-priced, well-positioned, and and they're, they're they're in a lot of everything that we do. And I and I think that we can continue to benefit from some of the some of the growth there.
3: And I think that you made a point about Morgan Stanley. Yeah.
6: I
1: mean,
3: if you think that capital markets is sort of troughing, I don't. Right. I mean, I don't know when it is. Or is it this quarter? Or is it the next quarter? But it's got to be yeah. coming soon. Yeah. Then yeah. there will benefit, right?
2: Absolutely. So I mean, Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that as yeah. well. So just texting with Webbush is Dan. Ives, he's basically saying it's risk on. Everybody wants to pile into tech right now because of what we think about the Fed. One of the names doing really well today. You can, I'm not saying it's a risky name, but Netflix, Jason, you own it. Shares up almost 9% right
1: now. Why do you think Netflix in particular is a benefit of today's rally? Well, I think some of the the, the pass, password sharing business obviously is, has, has been a, a hurdle for them for some time now. And I think they're starting to work through. There's some positive news in Canada that there's there's been some net additions there and maybe this advertising model is starting to work. Um, I do like Netflix as a pure play. I think that the pure play in this arena Yes, if we're heading into a slowdown, maybe the Disneys of the world and and some of the other folks that play in this space might have some trouble. But the pure plays and the the advertising model, tier model, I think is is also catching some stain.
2: Brent, what do you make of this? um, Again, Netflix up right now. We're also seeing some other stocks related to the TikTok hearing that we have going on right now. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But we're seeing Meta moving higher. uh, Likely on the idea that TikTok may face some headwinds and then Meta would be the beneficiary through its Instagram Reels or maybe even Facebook if people want to go retro. What do you make of what we're seeing?
4: Well, I think a lot of the, all these companies that you just mentioned, let's say outside of like a Snapchat, have really great balance sheets. And I think as hedge funds, CTAs are repositioning, they are saying, let's move out of energy, out of financials, into Fortress balance sheets, and so I think you know Netflix is a good turnaround story. It's still well off its its highs from last year, but it's really recovered. And so I think you're going to continue to see this tug of war between sectors underneath the broad indexes. But I mean, I don't think it's lost that. Apple and Microsoft are what, like almost 13.5% of the S&P. And so these big tech names continue just to bring up the whole market, even though you do have some, some growth in some of these other areas. I still think it's a repositioning from strong balance sheets to questionable balance sheets, especially around financials and other sectors that don't do well in a recession.
2: All right, Josh. To your point, also looking at some other names in consumer discretionary: Carnival's up three and a half percent, Etsy up three and a half percent, home builders. To your other point, DR Horton up two and a quarter. Um, in general, do you feel like it's just a risk-on environment with the idea that we kind of have a, a sense that we think we know what the Fed's going to do from now on?
0: I, I, I really wouldn't describe this as a risk-off uh, market. It, we have a an elevated VIX almost all of the time since the year started. We've got all kinds of sentiment surveys telling us that there is no risk appetite out there, but there are some stocks working. I think one of the things you learn the longer you're in in this business is that a lot of times things just work because of how poorly they had worked in a prior period. I want you to consider three of the most widely traded stocks amongst our viewers as an example of this. The top three performers in the S&P 500 this year through today, NVIDIA up 88%, number one. Meta up 72%, number two. Tesla up 60%. Last year, Tesla was the sixth worst performer in the S&P. Meta was the eighth worst performer, it was down 65%. NVIDIA was the 25th worst performer last year, cut in half. These stocks are now substantially off of their lows They're doing great this year, they're leading, but if you had owned them for the full 18 month, two year period, you haven't made that much headway. So a lot of what we're seeing can just be chalked up to the starting point. So if I gave you no other information and just said, year to date, does the leadership tell you we're in a risk off market? You would say yes, but if you actually live in this market, you know that's not true.
2: All right, we're still watching a rally here on Wall Street off the highs. NASDAQ up 2%. s and the D- uh, Dow Jones up just over a percent right now. Straight ahead, we're going to give you our chart of the day. Block getting crushed as a short seller takes aim. We're breaking down the fallout. And we're continuing to monitor Capitol Hill as the TikTok CEO testifies before Congress. It has been a bit contentious. We'll break in with any big headlines. Halftime, back in two. Welcome back to halftime. Time, time for our chart of the day. It is blocked. shares falling 13% after short seller Hindenburg Research announced that the payment company was its latest short position. Pretty scathing report here, Bryn. Um, Hindenburg does have a pretty strong track record. Most recently Adani cost Adani about 100 billion dollars in market value. What do you think about this report? Basically saying that they're you know focusing on unbanked customers, also a lot of illegal activity on their on their platform.
4: The market is saying guilty until proven innocent. You know, when a respectful short seller comes out with this type of, you know, accusations um, that they said they've backed up through multiple, multiple sources over years, um, unfortunately, the way our system works is block has to come out or square has to come out and say, while well, they're wrong. And so I'm not surprised the stock's down, you know, nine bucks today, because these are really, you know, big allegations that they're making. But it's once again, guilty until proven innocent.
2: Josh, what's your take? Hindenburg does have a, a pretty long uh, resume here. Uh, Nikola, Lordstown Motor in the past. And again,
0: Adani. I would say thank God for Hindenburg. And I'll tell you why. Prior to them coming on the scene, I mean, we've, we've had successful short sellers in this era, but they're outnumbered by uh, fintech companies that have been able to raise money and basically pursue some sort of a regulatory arbitrage as their edge. And that's how they've built these 10, 20, 30, in the case of block, $40 billion market caps. It's not that they're really innovating, it's that they, they're okay with... Uh, mingling with lawless elements in society, so long as their venture capitalist backers make money. Hindenburg is one of the few company, uh, one of the few entities that's actually paying attention to what they're really doing. And the closer you look at the pandemic era fintech success stories, the more you see basically regulatory arbitrage being dressed up as though it's actual innovation. That's not everyone. This looks like it's a particularly egregious case if you focus on nothing else they said other than the way in which pandemic-era loans were being made willy-nilly through these apps. To me, that's like the worst thing that I read here, but there's a lot of other stuff too. So I'm not in the stock, not long, not short. I'm just thankful that people are out there paying attention to some of the stuff that's been masquerading uh, as, as capitalism because most of it isn't.
2: People are certainly paying attention again. Block shares down twelve and a half percent. Another stock story that we're following is Coinbase shares dropping thirteen percent after a warning by the SEC of potential security charges. Uh, Bryn, you previously owned Coinbase.
4: Yeah. Well, so I think what's frustrating is that you know Coinbase went public with the SEC's approval when it did its IPO, and so for the same business units now, a different head of the SEC is saying are now not allowed. And so I think that we should have a regulatory framework that just because you have a new SEC chairman, the rules don't change. So we'll, we'll see what comes out of this. But to me, um, I think it's very confusing for investors how you can have it both ways. How are they allowed to go public if now the same business units that they're purportedly getting the Wells notice for aren't actually allowed
2: to exist? Stephanie, you previously owned Coinbase. Why did you decide to get out of the name?
3: I was in it for like a minute, seriously. Um, And and honestly, it was because it didn't trade on fundamentals, right? I I bought it after they had a a, a fairly good quarter, um, and they were gaining market share and momentum. And the stock just kept on falling, and it was just trading with crypto, the underlying crypto. And that's the reason why the stock is up 90% year to date, by the way. From a year ago, it's still down 63%. So, you know, this is a volatile name. And I just, I thought initially the exchanges would would, would be kind of the more calm way to play crypto. And it just it just wasn't. So literally I owned it for about three
2: weeks. So let me ask you, are you concerned that its correlation with Bitcoin has seemed to have broken right now? And Jason, I mean, I know you're not in the name, but just the fact that this used to trade pretty closely with with crypto and especially Bitcoin. Bitcoin was up, coin was up. And now that's that's certainly broken down.
7: Well,
3: this year, though, it's up quite a bit. Coinbase. No, I'm is saying up recently,
2: bit. like Bitcoin's rallying oh, right. re- in recent days, recent weeks, uh, you know, off the banking crisis. But Coinbase obviously seeing some difficulties.
3: Well, when you get a headline like a Wells notice, you know, that's obviously not a good thing. All
2: right. Uh, Bryn's making some moves in her portfolio. That's something we're watching right now on halftime. We'll get the trade coming up next.
8: B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain.
7: Welcome back to Halftime. I'm Sima Modi with your news update at this hour. It appears there will be no indictment of Donald Trump today or this week. Three sources familiar with the situation tell NBC News that the New York City grand jury investigating the former president is meeting today, but it will be dealing with another unrelated matter. Typically, the grand jury has not been in session on Fridays, although that could change. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office is telling several GOP House chairmen their request for testimony on the Trump investigation is, quote, an unprecedented inquiry into a pending local prosecution and an illegal incursion into New York sovereignty. And the Bank of England is raising a key interest rate by one quarter of a percent point to 4.25 percent. F- the move comes one day after government data shows UK inflation spiked to an annual rate of 10.4 percent in February. Stocks there are closing lower. Frank, back to you.
2: All right, Seema, thank you very much. Our Seema Modi. All right, let's move on to some committee moves. Bryn, you're adding to your commodity exposure, initiating a position in the S&P Equal Weight Energy ETF, RYE.
4: Yeah, Frank, so I I added RYE, which is a basket of about 25 energy names. I like it better than XLE, which is about 50% Chevron and Exxon, but I also added to BHP, Devon and Fang. And last week, when we were at the really apex of Silicon Valley and the regional banks selling off of that fear. The markets were acting like we were going into a hard recession and energy was an easy sell. And so I think that there was a great opportunity to pick up a dev in around 45, RYE, BHP. Understand that this sector has a free cash flow yield now around 13.5%. And maybe people don't believe the yield, right? Maybe people think we're gonna get a hard landing, but I think these companies over the last two years have had such fiscal discipline, they've paid down so much debt, they have high free cash flow yield. What are they doing with that? They're doing dividends, they're doing buybacks. And I just think the age of cheap energy is over. And so I took that opportunity where I think the market was wrong about energy stocks and they got overdone to add to the positions.
2: All right, Jason, you actually had energy as your pick for the stock summit. Still bullish on the sector, even though oil's been trading under 70 bucks a barrel for the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, so I think I think that's that's very indicative of some of the price action that we've saw in, in energy thus far. And I think Bryn makes a great point of free cash flow. I think that's one of the most important factors. In, in looking at a market that's potentially slowing. So yes, the XLE is down about 10%, Chevron, one of the names that we own, about down about 12%. But when I look at shareholder value, the announcements of, of buybacks and dividends, just like Bryn uh, just shared, even the, the huge announcement for a buyback from Chevron's perspective, I think that will play out well. And again, as I mentioned earlier, with China coming back online, Hopefully by the end of the year. I mean, they are already back online, but starting to see some production there. I think you'll start to see some return in the stocks. Link, what do you think? Are you still overweight energy?
3: I am. I'm a little less overweight than I was last year. Last year I was double the S&P, which was about, the S&P at the time was about 5% weight. And So I was at 10. I'm probably about 6% right now. But I still like kind of the barbell approach. So I do own kind of the defensive, diversified Chevron with a good dividend yield. Trades at 11 times earnings. Um, I love Schlumberger. And any time that stock pulls back, I, I just think that that's a buy, because I like what they're doing on the digital front. It's like a hidden technology play. And that thing is down, down 12% year to date. Um, and I also so, like Diamondback Energy uh, with Brent because I do think they're doing a lot of great things with their free cash flow and the stock trades at six times forward estimates.
2: Josh, what's your take on energy right now and also um, were you surprised at all by the decline in natural gas we've seen this year?
0: Yeah, but I'm, I'm always surprised by commodities. I don't think anybody can forecast commodities any better than they can forecast anything else. Um, so my surprise, I, I would say, is permanent. I am invested in IEO. I do believe that these companies will continue to be more profitable than they have been uh, in the last decade. They worked last year. I think they can get their uh, their momentum back at some point this year, but the fall in commodity prices has been tough for them. And I think to some extent, you have to ask whether or not the global economy is about to fall off a cliff. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I think some of that downdraft has been overdone, and that's why I stay long the equities.
2: All right, we're also still watching. We're monitoring TikTok CEO on the Hill testifying before Congress. The very latest coming up next on Halftime. Welcome back to halftime. The CEO of TikTok testifying on Capitol Hill today as the app faces growing criticism from lawmakers and calls to be banned here in the United States. Our Julia Borsten has been following that story. Julia.
9: Yeah, I've been following that story and listening to the testimony, which is happening right now. TikTok CEO shows each facing intense questioning from both sides of the aisle, just a couple of minutes ago, he did say that TikTok is going to be investing more in content moderation. Now, he's responding to representatives' concerns about TikTok spreading dangerous content, even causing death. There were a lot of questions about the privacy of U.S. user data and also the potential for Chinese Chinese government manipulation of the U.S. users of TikTok. Now, Chu acknowledged that Chinese engineers do currently have access access to some U.S. data, and they will until the process of shifting over control of that TikTok U.S. data is complete. He said that is on track to happen later this year. Take a listen.
8: I do
1: agree very strongly that uh, platform should be very transparent, and it's a commitment that we're giving to this community and all our users that our platform will be a place for freedom of expression. We embrace all diverse points of view, all ethnic minorities, you can come and say whatever you want, as long as you don't violate the rules of safety that were put in place. And we, will, we also commit to be free of all and any government manipulation.
9: Now, speaking of rules of safety, two representatives did show videos that were quite disturbing. One showing a gun that threatened violence against the committee chair. Um, the representative pointed out that video was left up for 41 days. Another video encouraging suicide. Chu saying after he returned from a break that both of those videos had been taken down during the meeting. Now, the combination of those videos and questions... Um, of the CEO of TikTok, prompting a surge in the companies that would benefit if TikTok were to be banned. Take a look. Meta shares up 3 percent, snap up nearly four and a half percent. Pinterest up just fractionally, but Alphabet shares also up about two and a half percent. Frank.
2: All right. Thank you very much. Our Julia Borson, I know you're watching this very closely. Let us know if anything else happens. You need to pop back on. All right, Josh, I'm going to come over to you. I mean, Julia just spelled it out. Meta's is up about three percent. Um, Snapchat's up about four percent. Is it that simple? TikTok's in trouble. These stocks benefit.
0: You know, Frank, I think people really don't understand what the risk is here um, with the app itself. The, the the data is one thing and obviously we're all at risk from the apps that we use and anything from china we should we should look at we should be careful the nightmare scenario is a close election in a state like florida or arizona where the chinese decide that one candidate up for either president or or a senate uh... seat is is better for them and they, i'm not saying they would do this i'm saying just them having the ability to be influential enough on TikTok, which is like 120 million users in the United States, that's the nightmare scenario. That's the thing that we have to guard against. So I think that is a very high likelihood there's enough bipartisan energy that this thing will have to be sold to a US company. And I wanna focus everyone's attention here on, I think the company that wins no matter what, which is Oracle. Um, I'm long the stock, so I have a a dog in this race. Look at this thing about to break a multi-year high, about to break an all-time high. Oracle is the technology provider here, and I think in any scenario where TikTok has to do something and has to make some sort of a move, Oracle is in play to be a part of that solution, whether it's Project Texas or something more extreme like a divestiture. This, to me, is the way that you want to play TikTok continuing, but maybe with less foreign influence over how it runs. You know, Josh, I want to
2: jump on your point. Is actually, I would heard during the hearing was 150 million Americans that actually use TikTok right That's now. So basically, crazy. half the country, Stephanie.
3: I know my daughter is one of them as well. Right. So I mean, it, it, obviously, it's it's a it's a fun thing to do, right? And it's an educational thing to do for those that are users. I personally am not involved. Educational? You, well, okay. Oh, sure. You could get recipes. You can get all kinds of things. How to wear how, how to dress, hair, all kinds of things. <laughs> no, you can learn a lot, absolutely. But I'm not. I'm not a player you know i'm in you know i'm involved in meta and uh, and, I, and I don't own Meta because TikTok might go away. Um, I, I own Meta because it's a cost-cutting story, also because they have revenue upside, which people have not been talking about, right? And right. Reels is getting momentum. And why is Reels getting momentum? Because AI, they're using AI. And the more you, things you put into AI, the better AI helps, right? So it is helping with Reels, and the monetization is, is working. So, plus, they, by the way, they have 2 to $3 billion DAUs and MAUs in their traditional Facebook business. And that's a huge size and scale, and they have great ROIs. So I like that one. I, look, it's up 71% year to date, so I'm not buying it here, but it's still down 4% from la- just in last year. So I think there's more that can, can go. You just, I think it has to settle down a
2: little bit. So uh, Brent, you know, any, try- any quick thoughts here? I mean, the danger to TikTok, uh, you know, potentially could benefit some other social media players, maybe even Pinterest. I heard some people saying Pinterest might have somehow be a beneficiary.
4: Well, I think temporarily, I think temporarily but I just to to kind of go back to what Josh was talking about. I mean, these companies have to give over data to the CCP. So it's like, at the end of the day, I think the Republicans and the Democrats will hang on that, that we just can't know. And so I like Josh's idea about Oracle, I and mean, I think the Pinterest, the Snapchat temporarily can get a lift, but ultimately those companies have to grow, have to have good earnings, have to have good views. So I think Josh's play on Oracle makes a lot of sense, and, and uh, so I, I, would, I would lean in that direction.
2: Yeah, Oracle also getting a big boost from AI. It's Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, seen as a destination for AI. I have a lot of work with NVIDIA as well. All right, coming up next, Mike Santoli joins us for his midday word. Halftime, we'll be back right after this. All right. Welcome back to Halftime. Senior Markets commentator Mike Santoli joins us now with his midday word. Mike, i got to ask you about this rally cooling off a bit yeah. off of its highs, but still the Nasdaq in a leadership position.
6: It is. That's been a pretty consistent theme. You know, we've been in this market for a little while where it just kind of clenches up in fear and then kind of releases it when maybe things don't seem so bad. So the not so bad piece this morning probably is. You know, the housing data was okay. Of course, more weekly jobless claims. So when the post-Fed reaction was really kind of messy on the downside, it just was a little bit uh, got a little bit mechanical and got to be a little bit of a flush uh, on the downside. We we bounced today. We didn't get to the highs of yesterday. You know, so it, it. I hate to sort of come here and say we're just chopping around. People are getting chopped up if they're trying to trade it. But that theme of Big growth stocks and a bounce in energy is kind of enough to have a decent day and, and really keep the, the, the folks positioned very bearishly, and there are a lot of them, from getting that immediate gratification.
2: So yesterday we saw the sell-off. A little debate whether it was Janet Yellen's comments or Jay Powell's comments. I think a lot of people are in that, that Janet Yellen camp. Yeah. She's testifying before Congress again today at 3. Are you surprised that we haven't seen stocks down ahead of that testimony where maybe she can kind of reverse what she said or soften the blow?
6: I'm not surprised by it. My interpretation of what happened yesterday was it was just kind of too many cross signals and headlines at once. Uh, You have essentially this very uh, trading community fixated on every nuance of what Powell's saying. And then you get these headlines from Yellen saying, we're not going to give you a blanket deposit guarantee when nobody should have expected her to say that they would. So to me, it was more a little static overload uh, on a short-term basis. And now we're correcting for some of that.
2: All right, Mike Santoli with the Midday Word. I wish we could talk longer, but if you want a deep dive on all this, go to TikTok, (laughs) apparently. That's what Stephanie said. Absolutely. All right, stay with halftime. Grave My Trade coming up next. Welcome back to Half. It's time now for Grade My Trade. First up is Stephanie. Chase bought Broadcom with a cost basis of five hundred and twelve dollars a share. Should he add more at the current levels, or just hold it long term?
3: Wow, I mean that was a good. That's a good buy there. Um, I like it very much for the long term. I would buy it on pullbacks though, because it has had a nice run. That being said, they're in all the sweet spots in terms of their end markets, AI, cloud, data center. You get some Apple exposure as well. They have a thirty-one billion dollar backlog. So on any pullbacks, I'd be a buyer.
2: All right. Next one's for Jason. Lucy sold 100 shares of CVS and bought Costco because Costco has outperformed the S&P 500
1: this year. Please grade her trade. So CVS has obviously struggled this year. It's down around 20 percent year to date. I think the Oak Street move and, and also signify last year they're trying to work through what that means for the stock. I think long term will be accretive to the stock. Um, but Costco, you know, listen, it's up around 3 or 4% year to date. Kirkland brand is, is still strong. They missed on the top line. However, it was the, it was the first quarter and eight quarters that gross margins grow. So I, I, I like this and I give it a solid B. All right, Brent, last one
2: for you. Vince purchased 200 shares of the JP Morgan Equity Premium Income ETF in January for 55.17. He then bought another 200 shares in February for 54.65. He likes the dividend and is thinking of purchasing another 200 shares.
4: Hey, Vince, I give you an A+. This is um, our biggest holding. Last year, it was down 3.5%. We like about it right now is that it has about a 10.5% yield between the covered calls and the dividend strategy. So never the wrong time to invest in a great strategy.
2: All right, final trades. They're coming up next on Halftime. Stay with us. All right, time now for Final Trades. Brynn, you're up first.
4: I want to continue to bias my portfolio companies with high for cash flow. Have V. It's got a 7.3 for cash flow. You get good innovation and a great company.
2: All right, Josh Brown.
0: Oracle is pennies away from a 52-week high. I think it'll break out. Stephanie.
3: Nike, I thought the quarter was great. I thought the guidance was good. And the inventories, they're making progress. And I think gross margins will benefit as, uh, as a result.
1: Jason, last word. FedEx, I think it's a comeback story here. Really strong quarter and strong guide.
2: All right, one last check of the markets before we go. Off-session highs right now. Seeing the NASDAQ up about one and three quarters of a percent. The S&P up over a percent. The Dow falling just below one percent. That's going to do it for halftime. The exchange, it begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's halftime report, The Podcast. You can always catch us live, weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.